Hello and welcome back to Small Screen Stories. Today's going to be a particular episode because it's actually going to be Alessia doing an interview today. She's going to be interviewing Thea Sun and Sabrina Jones. So they're two of the five people behind Aerial Sea Production. And they're going to be talking about their new documentary, which is Beyond the Red Lights. And this depicts the global sex workers movement and their struggle to get recognised. So the crowdfunding is still live. You can go and help them reach their goal on greenlit.fund. And in the meantime, please enjoy the interview. So we're here with Thea and Sabrina. So let, let's talk about what um, you want to do with this documentary. Uh, why did you choose this subject? Um, yeah, why sex workers and their rights? Um, <laughs> well, so my co-director, Pauline, uh, originally first, kind of came across this movement through a lecture from a woman called Stacy Clare, who calls herself the ethical stripper. And she gave a talk at SOAS University talking about um, how strippers' rights and the legal systems in the UK inflict themselves on the bodies of strippers. And so from that, Pauline was kind of like opened up to this whole world of sex worker activism and also the oppressive legal systems that are happening in the UK. And she kind of got in touch with me and Thea and a few other girls. And we all came together to kind of explore this story. But initially it started out, I think, less with sex work and more with like stripping. And then the more we got talking to people, it kind of unraveled that this is a huge movement all across the sex workers community and stripping is literally just a drop in the ocean. Um, yeah, um, it kind of came across that over lockdown when we had the time to really delve into the extent of the sex worker community, we realised that this encompasses a whole type, whole, many different types of sex work and it's not exclusive to stripping. And because everything went online during COVID, it also opened our eyes up to a whole new like version of this um and because we've got to speak to so many organizations as well across the world it really grew in scope and size it really grew on instagram as well because i've seen a lot of pole dancers on instagram really putting themselves forward and um talking about how the whole community of pole dancers strippers and of course, sex workers are really uh, marginalized, even when it comes to, as we were, uh, we were saying before, um, when it comes to job security, in a sense, and um, income security more than job security in a situation like this one that we are in, um, that is, of course, difficult for everybody. But when you are invisible, then you have no possibilities of asking for help whatsoever. Um, so you have interviewed a few of them by now, even though you haven't started filming. So what did you learn from them? And what are the misconceptions that people might have that you discovered to not be true? I think we learned a lot. I don't know. I, I think it's been really interesting confronting our own preconceptions and stigmas surrounding this work. I think sex work is just always a controversial topic. I've especially found that through our crowdfunding, talking to like some older people, a lot Radical. of adults, 
they are grandparents they've got like a very specific idea and you have to kind of shape that out and through these conversations like stigma has just completely damaged like the industry entirely like in a lot of places I don't I, there was somewhere somewhere in Europe we were speaking to that it's like women have to get sex workers have to get an STD check every two weeks um, because that's just feeding the idea that sex workers are dirty and that STDs can only come from them and in making them do the test it means that clients have more grounds to say, oh, you're clean, so I don't have to use protection when I have sex with you. And so you're actually putting them in this position of danger and exposure mm-hmm. to illness when it, it, that's one of the most, it's so, it's so fascinating. Like the blame is constantly placed on the worker rather yeah. than the client, rather than society, rather if than the... If there's a d- demand for it, that is what fuels the sex work industry. It's not the sex workers. Not saying they don't choose to, they can, but we have to take into account there are certain... There are a lot more restrictions in what women can do to make money mm-hmm. as a whole throughout the world. Um, not to take away from anyone's choice. If that is what they want to do, that is what they want to do. But yeah, the demand is often scapegoated for the fact that people are supplying it. It's a similar situation to a lot of things, but of course, it's just the way that things work. If you, yeah. it's like the house market. The more demand you have, the more prices are going to go up. It's the same exact thing. But of yeah. course, that that it's never it's never, you know, the client and the person in power that is the problem. So, did you yeah, change I, your vision? Sorry, did you change your vision of the sex worker industry? I think did you have misconceptions I definitely had misconceptions ones that I probably didn't even realize I had just from not really thinking about the sex worker industry as a whole it'd probably be like a you know you might hear someone be like oh I hired a stripper for my friend's 18th or like stories like that it would get thrown into conversation with I never thought about the actual like day-to-day lives of having to rely on sex work and having income controlled by something like that Mm -hmm. and how that could be a conflict of yourself or and the stigma put onto you from society just because sex is such a taboo subject and very people don't even realize how taboo it is because it's just something we avoid because it makes us uncomfortable despite it being a very natural fact and like it's an industry it's huge it exists and we still pretend like we don't I think that's Mm -hmm. what I really found out through this film and even as we were saying before mentioning it to people of a certain generation or I don't know time yeah, um, for sure. Are not aware of how deep their misconception runs. Mm-hmm. I think that what's been interesting is, I don't know, I, I think because of the way that sex is conceptualized, like we, we view it a lot like mainstream society, it's been packaged as this intimate, personal experience. And I think one narrative that a lot of documentaries have previously gone down is always attaching sex work to some sort of trauma in your Mm -hmm. past and that you can't possibly get into this industry without having problems it can't just be something that you've chosen I think that's like why would someone choose that is what is what they say Mm -hmm. yeah I think that for me like again like say I said without even realizing I'm holding those opinions like I I definitely did and 
it's weird how obvious it is that a sex worker can be anyone, but that's not a narrative that's that's ever placed before us mm-hmm. and that we're ever told to like take as the norm. Yeah. So do you feel like in a in a certain way the whole situation with COVID and the fact that the industry was really highlighted in this last months because there was a lot of talk uh, talking about sex works have not been protected even in a financial way um, do you think is actually positive that this happened so finally uh, people can like don't really have a choice they just can't really get away from seeing what's happening um i think positive might be yeah just just find the positive yeah but to find the positive and the negative i do think the pandemic has shone light on something that is important people to confront with their own like inherent bias about it um and i think it for us i guess we were overwhelmed by the fact that this was popping up in mainstream news mm-hmm. that we were finding rather than having to search for it ourselves because we spent a lot of time over lockdown really like i think we split up the map of the world I'm like you take that section i'll take that section mm-hmm. and we like really like hustled to find people to email and get in contact with so we could really understand it from all perspectives mm-hmm. And nice um, now it's everywhere. Like it's really out there. Yeah, I it's have really to say, without the without the organisations we had contacted and they were like willing us to share with us their stories and insight, I don't think we would have. It, I wouldn't have felt as comfortable being able to speak on this topic without that. They mm. really, and I think on our crowdfunding page we have the whole list of if anyone wants yeah. to ever look at what the work they're doing and find out more about them. There's a whole list at the bottom. So you said that your opinion has changed. Are you hoping that the documentary will be changing opinions? Yeah, I think really recently we had a conversation about this. And yeah, I think but we all, we all are very liberal, we're progressive. And this topic doesn't seem so crazy to us because we're open. Like, I think most of us are humanities and university, like it's, it's a conversation that we could naturally lead ourselves to and an opinion that we could do the same. But we realized recently that this film has to convince the person on the complete opposite side of the spectrum. If we want any real change to take place and it not to just exist with like a bubble, a little insular bubble of liberalism, then we're gonna have to create a story which is convincing enough to convince the Daily Mail and Sun Reader, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. walking on our side. Like, we, yeah, we really do, we really do want to see a good change, but we are still kind of figuring out how to, and we have so much time because of stalling of our production and this being the first step, mm-hmm. that I think we're going to be able to figure out exactly how to speak to those people, or at least understand why they think the way they do and maybe just try and change their viewpoint to just mm-hmm. see it as a... not necessarily their job you don't define someone by your job yeah it's more like for some people they don't have the luxury of choosing that and they need to put food on the table for their kids they need to pay bills and that consumes everything and to have with like violence stigma a host of other things being put onto you when you're just trying to do that I think that is the message we'll probably try and push did you find though that the majority of people you have talked to already have found themselves in a position where they had to 
go into sex work or did you find some people that just wanted to? I think it's complicated because we really kind of want to stray from that, um, that kind of angle, just because I think the relevant, like I kind of think in, in the film we're making it sort of irrelevant. It's always, we always focus on why, like the, the, the story is always focused on why sex work did you have to do it? And it's, it's more like why doesn't every person have access to the same basic labor and human rights as any other mm-hmm. individual of society? But then again, talking to people in European cities um, and sex workers in the UK compared to speaking to a sex worker in Haiti or Uganda mm-hmm. is two different. completely different things. And I think what's amazing about this film is the fact that hopefully at the end it will be this kind of global cross-cultural comparison of completely different circumstances cultures Mm -hmm. and economic situations dependent on the country and you'll be able to see that despite the differences geographically they are all asking for the exact same result which is decriminalization Mm -hmm. yeah the ultimate they want to take back their rights and go beyond any preconceptions people might have about them and we just really want to illustrate how like mirror mirror, multifaceted that is it doesn't apply everywhere but Mm -hmm. there is so much within that world to explore Mm -hmm. do you think it's interesting that there is it's a very feminist issue sex work and the rise of sex workers especially now there is so a fringe of feminism that is very against that um I know Pauline is our friend, so it would have been um, interesting to talk to her about this, but there is a, a big fringe of feminism in France that is the, they're the, the feminists that do the collage in the streets. I don't know if you have seen that before. So their leader, in a sense, uh, she's quite famous and she's very, very against um, sex workers' rights. And she just said not really their rights, but she said, like, they're victims. They need to be helped. They shouldn't do this job. So what do you think about this type of um, feminism that's really, like, protective of women's bodies in a way that it doesn't even matter what what they think and why they do it. It's just, like, they shouldn't do it. I, I think it's difficult because since... Victorian times the female form and body has been heavily censored and also heavily sexualized like it happens in the media all the time and it does seem that when it's a woman profiteering off her own body and doing exactly the same thing that is done to her by other people it becomes a really big controversy that is not to say that I think it really depends on your circumstance and your own personal opinions i don't think it's my place to say or judge mm-hmm. why someone chooses it because i'm not in their situation i just think that a blanket statement of radical feminism is just as damaging to feminism as not being a feminist it's mm-hmm. there's a lot to unpack there and i think women should be able to be in control of their bodies but each person defines that in a different way and so I don't think there's ever going to be a full consensus on that. Um, yeah. 
it's quite interesting because yeah. it's never it's never just one thing it's, it's like we we are so used for women to be used in a way that they're usually naked in ads or in different types of communication um that we don't even see that anymore almost and yet mm. sex work is still and stripping and pole dancing is still seen as a very nasty thing to do you know what i mean is 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 interesting how different the two side of the same medal are like if it's mm. for someone else's joy then it's fine but if i choose to be naked on a pole then it's not fine anymore yeah it's it's very fascinating and i think for the radical feminists you know strip clubs and sex work exist as a pillar of the patriarchy mm. and it's it's like a symbol of the male gaze and it's an, it's an interesting argument but it's just we've we've had like i remember one of our first conversations with stacy how much it shocked us that one of the huge resistances against strip clubs were women just campaigning and you forget that like feminism is built upon the idea of like equality and freedom to be to express yourself in whatever way you choose to do that so it's 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 an interesting question and again i agree with Thea that i don't know if there will ever be a resolution because there's always going to be fringe resistances to these types of conversations yeah certainly so sorry, sorry I, just one more thing. I just think that also what we want to focus on is amongst all that as well what we're trying to do is just show a really like raw honest depiction of not whether it's right or wrong or why you got into it and what the reasons were but just how it is to be a sex worker in different places um and just kind of show that how much they are also doing outside of their own jobs to campaign for their rights because there is a lot of activism going on within the sex world and I don't think a lot of people know that I didn't know that before I started this journey and I don't Sabrina I don't think you did either like I don't think any of us did so it really you hear a lot of activism political protest going on within I don't know like climate change or, or Black Lives Matter movement and I feel like this is like of the same level because it is everywhere and it affects a lot of women trans and lgbt people mm -hmm. so you say that you have a lot of different parts of the world that you're going to analyze are you planning on going and following them or i mean of course now <laughs> it's difficult to say yeah, i know say. but in a deal in a deal world when covid doesn't exist anymore in an ideal yeah, in world, an yeah. ideal world yeah <laughs> I don't want to say anywhere that we're going to because we just don't know at this point but yeah. for this we're definitely going to North Macedonia we've mm -hmm. spoken with a sex worker there um, and that is what our crowdfunding campaign is for mm -hmm. and we're so happy that we have reached because we reached the first target and we added a stretch goal because we the campaign is still live so it's now a stretch goal of 15,000 mm -hmm. an extra five just to cover all our post-production costs and really enable us to spend a few extra days there to make the most of our time. Hopefully the UK does not go down into lockdown and we will be able to go. If not, it will have to be postponed until we can. Either or yeah. we're gonna, 
it's just a matter of when we're we're gonna go to everywhere someday (laughs) (laughs) it might take years we're prepared it just might take a few years i don't know i think for us what's been really amazing is that lockdown gave us the opportunity to have these in-depth conversations with organizations across the world and the ones which we formed strong relationships with and have done the research on and feel are a right fit for us we're still developing those conversations and eventually we will be able to travel to the the set locations we pick like northern macedonia it was one of our best interactions mm-hmm. me and pauline did the call and it was like we just got on we just got on really well he's part of an incredible organization called star and the fit was right and we've had the time to really be thorough with our research mm-hmm. um yeah, lockdown so yeah gave us the luxury of time to just not, at first i think if it wasn't we would have jumped into things just out of sheer excitement and wanting to get this done and i think it gave us time to reflect and actually really find out about exactly what we needed to do what even what an organization meant in a sec in the sex work community mm-hmm. things like that that i don't think we would have um even thought of because we would have been preoccupied with more filming technical, technical things yeah exactly so you you were talking about macedonia so why did you choose macedonia what is happening there because i guess most people won't know because I was a bit surprised when I saw Macedonia in your, in your Kickstarter. So I was like, oh, I wonder what, what's happening in Macedonia. So can you talk about maybe the people you're going to talk to a bit more? And yeah, what are yeah. they? Doing? We can talk a little bit about it because can't give everything away. No, no. We can't give everything away. <laughs> and also some of the characters, well, the people that we're speaking to want their identity kept. Mm-hmm. a bit more quiet Thanks. until it's more confirmed than we've spoken in person but um yeah so sex work is legalized in northern macedonia um but in a framework of legalization there are a lot of loopholes which make it very very oppressive mm-hmm. and so last year this organization held this incredible demonstration where women and different sex workers stood in these like glass boxes in Skopje, 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 like in their lingerie with signs out saying like would you want to hurt me, would you want to endanger me and then they did a huge march through the city centre with red umbrellas because that's um, the universal sex worker symbol and this year so basically they're just massive activists and there's some important policy change coming up in this um the fall and there's a lot of demonstrations that they've got planned for us to go to in december so it's a combination of their legal systems on the fringe of some sort of change also they're very radical and performative with the way that they choose to express themselves and also we'll be talking to like a real variety of sex workers on there, like male, trans, female, single mothers, um, and hopefully and some members of the Roma community too. Um, so I think for us, it was just the diversity 
of the story that we would get there because that's very important to us to portray that the sex workers are not one homogenous idea that's in your head. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, Northern Macedonia was just a really, really good fit for us. Mm, and also, um, Star Star, the organisation, is the first and only organisation, I believe, in the Balkans. Is that right? That is right, Sabrina. Yeah. It's the, um, and Borshe, the person we've been in contact with, he is the leader of that. So I feel like we've got really intimate access and we've really built up a relationship with him where I feel like when we go there, we'll, it'll really be worth our time mm -hmm. um, and we will learn a lot. So um, that is pretty much why North Macedonia was just a, a sure fit, really. And did you find that um, when you try to contact people and sex workers or um, organization in Europe and in, and in the UK, how was the reaction to the film? If you have any trip to Europe. Do, do you mean, do you mean over lockdown when we were trying to contact people? Yeah. Well, in general, because of course Europe is very different from the Balkans, for example. And I'm sure if you go to, Holland and or Italy is going to be very different the type of um, response and yeah work that they're doing um, I think one thing that's been pretty consistent and um, is how we're involving sex workers in the process and how um, how we can promise or kind of ensure that this is not just another film that is being used to exploit these individuals. I think that's a really big, there's a big distrust mm. in, within that community towards outsiders because they've been painted and vilified so many times that that, that to us seemed to be pretty consistent responses, just that reassurance of our narrative mm -hmm. and them wanting to know what, what our intentions were in the process. Yeah. I do think that like journalists, filmmakers, they're not welcomed with open arms because a lot of the time sex workers feel like they lose control of their own narrative. Um, and we really, that was our main concern. I think that's why we spent so much time in lockdown contacting so many people was because we thought if we had a really good understanding of it, mm -hmm. going forward, we would actually be able to interact with them where we both got our needs met. Great. So our time is running out, literally. <laughs> My computer is telling me, like, get, get away. Eight minutes. <laughs> so do you want to tell us where to find the address to your Kickstarter? Of course, we're going to put everything in the, um, in the description. But if you want to tell us Instagram and everything else. Yeah, our Instagram is Beyond the Red Light Film. Um, and it has our crowdfunding campaign link in that bio. However, if you want to go directly to it, you can go to Greenlit. It's an independent um, crowdfunding website. And um, just if you scroll down, Beyond the Red Light will come up. We will also give you the, the official link just to make clicking through really easy. Mm -hmm. So when is the crowdfunding finishing? It's got two weeks today. I we think. are halfway through. It's right? We are halfway through. Over. We are half. I don't know if exactly, yeah. but we're... I think no, like, it is. Maybe. It is two weeks. I just checked on the calendar. Yeah, and we've got yeah. another three grand to push for. We're on twelve at the moment, and the support has been amazing. We have been generally overwhelmed by support. I did not really. And thank you to everyone it. who has 
donated so far. Yes. <laughs> a massive thank you. Still, but, um, still three grounds yeah. there. Still, still three, three grounds to go. So, so please share this me. around with anyone who you think might be interested. Maybe talk to someone who isn't interested and see if you can convince them. Change your mind. Exactly. That's yeah. not really what we would like. That's the ultimate goal, I'd say. Change minds. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much. And yeah, let's hope that you reach your goal and can't wait to see it. Thank, thank you for having us. Thank, thank you. So there you have it. That was the interview. Thank you so much to Alessia for doing the interview. And thank you to Thea Sun and Sabrina Jones for being on the podcast. You can go now to their greenlit.fun page. The movie is called Beyond the Red Lights. And you can also follow them on Instagram at Beyond the Red Lights Film. Please go and do that and support their film because they're almost, they've almost reached their goal. Not quite, but they're almost there. And you can follow Small Screen everywhere, which is at Small Screen GB. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you again soon. <laughs>